Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. grab whatever you're taking notes with. You're going to want to take some notes. Uh, You may also want to just take the shortcut option, take photos of the screen. I'm going to teach a fair bit. I'm going to preach a little and hopefully we're going to go somewhere. You ready to go? So uh, last week, uh, Dan kicked us into what I believe is a a new threshold, a new time in our church actually. Uh, And I, I don't know the content of the series that's coming up soon regarding end times, but I hope it's chunky. (laughs) I hope we're not going to dance about. I don't know the content, but I hope we're going to get into it. And uh, I feel like last week when he began to speak on the subject of Daniel and the story of Daniel, uh, it was, to me, it felt like a watershed moment in our church. It was time to change gears up. How about you? That there is a sense of a gathering momentum in God's house and it's time to ratchet up the velocity just a little in our faith, in our believing in our expectation that the gospel of salvation will flow and will work. And so as he was preaching about Daniel, I was really encouraged, but I was also amazed at the working of the Holy Spirit, how he flows, because what Dan didn't know until I texted him after the service is that that week, literally only three days prior, I was in a mentoring session with a client of mine, and we had been talking about the subject of Daniel and the story of Daniel, and I had been doing a little mini-teach preach in that session around what Daniel represents in our modern world and how it's a prophecy and a type of what we were always going to enter into. And I sat there listening to Dan's message thinking, this is great, and then the other half of my brain was saying, don't say too much, leave some room for me. Because I thought, I've already got a message cooking in my heart for three weeks. I don't. How many of you have messed up a meal one time and you had to start again? I didn't want to start again. And I, I said to the team this morning, it's interesting for me now in uh, my time post-pastoring this church, that the heaviness of carrying the sermon still exists, but the grace is less. <laughs> so I'm even more tired than I used to be. Just kidding. I'm ready to go. But I do feel in my heart that God has put something very important that is not just for today, but it's to carry forward. And it's for all of us. It's not just for the children or the young people, regardless of age. It's for you. So my subject matter today is how to live free in Babylon. How to live free in Babylon. I urge you to take notes. As I said, take photos of the screen. If you need to, that will help you. And let's get right into this. All right, Babylon, what does it mean? We're not talking about the geographical location. We're talking about a type and what it represents in Scripture. Now, Babylon, it literally means a lawless, somebody say lawless, Lawless. counterfeit, say it. If you can't read my writing, it's because I'm a doctor. A lawless counterfeit of God's kingdom. You might want to take a photo of these things because I'm going to move fast. That's a D, by the way. I did that in my practice run too, didn't I, Olivia? Babylon, a lawless counterfeit of God's kingdom. You go, how, how can that happen? How can it be a counterfeit of God's kingdom when God's kingdom is not lawless? Well, let me explain to you. Let's go further in this definition. Literally translated, the word and the name Babylon means gate of the gods. <laughs> gate of the gods. Let's, let's, let's be good Bible practitioners and let's not just hear the word or just listen to it at one level. Let's take... 15 seconds of meditation on that phrase, gate of the gods. What is a gate? A gate is a doorway. A gate is an entry point. A gate is an access point. Babylon is a boundary that is the housing for everything that tries to counteract and counterfeit God. It's anarchy contained. I know that sounds like a juxtaposition, but this is what Babylon represents. It's a domain where there is a broad invitation to join the lawlessness, and this is exactly what Babylon in Scripture represented, a type of how the world and how humanity was tracking. And we are seeing the exact same thing happen in our world today. (laughs) We are seeing lawlessness and rejection of absolutes become a religion within themselves. And interestingly, last week you heard Dan tell the story about the book of Daniel and the character Daniel, 
And we know the basics of his life story and what happened as a prisoner taken into the Babylonian kingdom. And the end result of his journey there as a captive along with the rest of them was that the king, King Neb, (laughs) King Neb, right? King Neb, his goal was to dominate and rule. Be careful of all kinds of leaders in all kinds of contexts whose desire is power. (laughs) When the desire is power and not empowerment, you're going to have problems. In a company, in a sports club, in a church, in a government, in a nation. When the goal is power and not empowerment, you're headed for trouble. And King Neb had an insatiable appetite for power. So much so that we see by the end of the book of Daniel that he had actually instituted a daily worship ritual. When I toot my trumpet, when I wave my flag, the smart kids are figuring out where I'm going, get on the ground and worship the new mantra or suffer the consequences. Christian, It's time to stop living in your home in fear, hoping that the current wave of evil will just blow over with the next breeze and we can go back to normal. It ain't happening. The times are speeding up. The darkness is raging with a hotter intensity, but so is the kingdom of light. I am happy to stand in a public place and suggest that my conviction would be is that we are not going into an era of decreased intensity in spiritual realms, but rather the dial is turning up. Christian, we need you in the game. (laughs) Use your self-talk machine right now and say to yourself, get in the game. Why? Because the game's coming to your back door whether you like it or not. If you're a parent here today, get in the game. You're probably already in it. If you're not, get in the game. Pray for your children. Prophesy over your children. Speak to your children. Have the tough conversations with your children. Why? Because if you won't talk to them, guess what happens? When you think, oh, but I'm not as smart or as articulate as you. Nonsense. That's a cop-out excuse and it's not going to help your children. The wisdom that flows is the same river. It comes from under the throne of God and you can tap into the same river as well. When you don't have the hard conversations with your children, they will subconsciously conclude that you are not an expert on the subject and they will go looking somewhere else. Don't let your children and those you care about and love go looking elsewhere for a source of truth, a source of expertise. Be that voice world because where we're going, we're heating up and it's fun. (laughs) Some of you go, I want to go home. (laughs) I want to get back under the doona. Who's got a doona at their house? Who's got duvets at their house? All the Kiwis. Who's got a quilt at their house? Who's got doonas? Who's got electric blankets? Dangerous. Okay, so let's get back on with the message. This is where we're going, people. Just accept it. Just get on with accepting. This is where we're going. And when you get upset that people hate you for your Christianity, encourage yourself and say they hated Jesus for the same reasons too. And by the way, I got given this prophecy in, in the good old book a millennia ago. He warned me this is where we're going. So if you feel unwarned, that's your reading issue. That's not his talking issue. <laughs> I feel free now I'm not the pastor. I can say whatever I want. I feel liberated. Look out where we end up today. No, I'll try not to hurt you too much. All right, so we need to understand this is where we're going. It's, it's not going to decrease it's going to increase but don't worry about it don't fear it the worst thing you can do is fear it no be a bible believing christian who understands this is where the world's got to go and for the church somebody say of oh, the church where are we headed well i've said this for years i still believe it we are being pushed by society and by an antichrist spirit into a corner and the corner we're getting pushed into is not one of irrelevance unless we allow it to be some of you are really enjoying this some of you don't know what to do about it some of you are like elbowing your spouse going I told you we should have left on holidays before the weekend why do you make me wait till Monday where we are being pushed into a corner could become a corner of irrelevance and obsolescence unless we respond the way God is going to allow us to respond and the way we're going to respond is with love and supernatural power because here's the thing the church 
is being positioned by God because the world and those who don't know him yet, they are not actually trying at their core to get rid of us forever. What they are saying is what we should have been saying to ourselves, which is either your message has got actual life-changing power or shut up. (laughs) Some of you are really thinking, oh man, I'm going to write an email to Pastor Dan. That guy, please don't put him on roster ever again. But that's where we're going. And I think it's a good thing. I like it because it's forcing us to believe in the supernatural power of God, the life-changing gospel that changed our life. That's the message the world wants to hear and needs to hear. Amen? Let's keep going with my pretty pink writing. Is it purple or pink up there? It's pink. All right. So freedom in Babylon, what does it mean? It means to be... Help me now. What am I going to write? In the world, not of it. Young people, that's your mission. If you choose to accept it, this message will self-destruct. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to be in the world, not of it. It's a fine line, but it's a broad line. In the world. Don't detach and separate yourself and come into some kind of Christian bubble where you never talk to the unsaved and those who don't believe. Don't be afraid of a conversation with an atheist. Don't put pressure on yourself that you've got to know all of the answers. Reserve the right to say to someone, can I get back to you on that? Have the conversation. People in the workplace, you don't have to answer everything. Just find a way to have conversations. Find a way to realize God has called us to be on mission in the world. So Dan talked last week about the story of Daniel. Who can remember one thing that he said in his message last week? We're filming this right now, by the way, in case you're wondering. He's actually watching live stream. There's a couple of GoPros up there in the dark room. You can't see them. Please let your pastor be encouraged. Who can remember one thing that he said last week about Daniel? There was a thing about changing names. There was. What else? Yeah. I love how you're putting your hands up like we're in school. God's got a plan for the next generation. Great. Anything else? What else did we hear? The devil has a plan. Absolutely he does. There's something that Dan probably didn't have the time to get to, and I want to use this as our segue between last week and today. There's something else vital in the story and in the text that we cannot afford to skip over and not take the time. And if you're writing notes or taking photos, I want you to get ready to put it down. There's something else that was happening for Daniel in the Old Testament that is happening in the world en masse right now. If you want to have a good understanding what's going on in the world, for me as a person with a Christian worldview, I'm about to lay it out for you right here. What's going on in the world right now? The same plan, the same agenda that was trying to destroy those three or four boys and all of those young people in that generation, same agenda now. Here it is. It's this word, defilement. This is the agenda of the devil in today's world to defile a generation. Defile. I'm going to show you why defilement matters. I'm going to explain what it is. Literally, it means to make unclean. Now, we know from the very basic level that the story of the gospel is that we couldn't save ourselves. Hello? Those of you who've been around for a while even know that the scripture speaks of itself and says that the law was given so that mankind would understand its own need of a saviour. In other words, the law on the first day that it was given was already too high a bar for a broken human to climb over. And so mechanisms were put in place for people to remain pure in relationship before God, to have their sins forgiven and atonement made. And the law was that stumbling block that was not a reason to go to license and go, oh, well, the law's too hard anyway, I'm going to do what I want. Paul dealt with that in the book of Romans when that was some of the questions coming up in the early church. People were coming up with crazy wild questions. By the way, at the end of this session, I'm going to do Q&A here at the front. You got any burning questions about this? Got anything that you think can stump me? Come and ask it. (laughs) Because we've got to talk about this stuff. We've got to talk about how does the word of God apply to our daily life? How are we going to respond to what we're seeing on the news, on our social channels? What are we going to do with end time stuff? Some of us need to maybe bring our head a little bit out of the sand and just have a little peek over the sand dunes to see what's happening without getting stuck and sidetracked by conspiracy theories. Because you can go on a tangent of conspiracy theories and that would be a shame. But what's worse would be to put your head in the sand and not pay attention to what actually is happening. Is there a push for a global world order? Of course there is. (laughs) 
Is that even a question in 2023? Of course there is. There are men and women who are driven and energized by an antichrist spirit who've got an insatiable desire for power and hunger and lording it over the masses. Nothing's changed. Have you not watched the History Channel on Foxtel? Have you not seen World War II in color? Nothing's changed in the evil heart of broken people. Power is the goal. Resources and money are the goal. Of course, there's a, a push for a global world order. But don't ever fear that God doesn't have a master plan working right through the middle of it. In the same way that the devil thought he had finished Christ when he put him on the cross, only to realize that that empowered Jesus to go into the depths of hell and take captivity captive. Who loves the game of Uno? Jesus always holds the reverse card. <laughs> He's always got the reverse card. He got hundreds of them. He just keeps slapping them down. He can do reverses on the devil all day long. And the same will be true. But let's be wise. What did Jesus say? Gentle as doves, wise as serpents. In other words, have a heart that's soft and compassionate to others, but have a brain that's switched on. Understand the times. The men of Issachar, the Bible says, they understood the times they were living in. And that's what God is calling us to do. Can we read some scripture? Daniel chapter, if you've got a Bible there, Daniel chapter 1. We doing all right? Yeah. <clears throat> Who feels like they want to go home already? This is too much. That's all right. All complaints to Daniel John Warren at c3newhope.org.cz. <laughs> and it goes into a special file that he attends to first thing on a Monday morning. All right, Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. We already know that... King Neb has besieged Jerusalem. He's taking, he's, he's, he's like uh, those of us who were born in the 80s, uh, in the 70s and 80s can remember a board game called Hungry Hippo. Who can remember Hungry Hippo? You lot, you got, have you heard of it? You, oh, they're angry at me because I, I dared shoebox them into a generational mold. Some of you also remember Pac-Man. Who remembers Pac-Man? How good was Pac-Man? King Neb is Pac-Man. He's trying to gobble up as many kingdoms and resources as possible. And we read here, it says in verse 5, the king appointed for them a day. The king appointed for them. These are not toddlers. These are young adults. But the king decided that they needed help to make basic decisions. Oh, that sounds familiar. I do want to pray for our government. I do want to respect our government as much as I possibly can. I do not need King Albanese to tell me how to use my own brain. Nor did I need the pretend king before him and the pretend one before that and the pretend one before that. I will respect them and pray for them. Let's not get so dumbed down that we need to believe that civil leaders have got to tell us how to use our brain on how to spoon feed ourselves. I'm not promoting civil disobedience for a moment. I'm talking about use your brain. He decided what portions of food they should have. It's all part of an agenda, people. Stay with me. He appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Ooh. And of the wine which he drank in three years of training for them. So that at the end of that time they might serve. So that at the end of the training time they might serve the false king. Wow. Thank you, Daniel, for writing this down for us. How did he know in 2023 that we'd be dealing with what we're dealing with? Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave new names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Did that work? I heard that some of the young people were having a difficult time with Dan's pronunciation last week. Here we go. Verse 8. Watch it closely. But. Somebody say but. Oh, so many jokes, so little time. <laughs> but. But. But Daniel. I know we believe in a but God, and so we should. Maybe you need to grab a little bit of but me. But Reese. Oh, I'm so distracted. I'm sorry. Who's old enough to remember the cartoon Beavis and Butthead? 
Who's willing to admit that occasionally they took a very large intellectual step down just to hang out with Beavis and Butthead for half an hour or so? <laughs> All right, don't Google it. It won't help you in any way. But those who saw it know what I'm talking about. But Reese, But Marcel. The king and the kings decided that they knew best about everything in daily life and built a new regime so that you could have your mind re-engineered according to their agenda. But Fred purposed in his heart, if ever we needed a but me, right now is the hour where we need a but me. I don't know what you're going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bow to a foreign idol. I'm not going to get down before false gods and foreign kings. I don't care what they say I can and can't do and what they will and won't do if I do and don't do. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to stay true to the only plumb line we got left in the whole universe. And if it takes putting more steel in my spine, some of you are thinking, Andrew, if you put more steel in your spine, <laughs> you're going to be intolerable. I'm already intolerable. What are you talking about? I'm not going to bow to a foreign idol. I'm going to allow the Daniels around me and the Daniel in me to be inspired to go, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which, we, which he drank. Therefore, he requested one of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself, and he found favour. And you know how the rest of the story goes. We've got to talk about defilement for a moment or two. The agenda of King Neb. Are you still with me? Are you ready to take photos? Hand-picked for training. Someone say training. What it actually means is rewiring. It's the same thing that's going on in our world right now through social channels, through, through stories in the media. There is, an, there is a deliberate attempt to rewire the mindset of our young people. This is not, a, this, by the way, what I just said, that's not the conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's the absolute blatant, super obvious and explicit thing that's going on in our world right now. There is an attempt to rewire the minds of the world, especially the younger ones. And here's how... Look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write three words down that come from the book of Daniel. I want you to imagine whether they fit for what's going on right now. Because the king decided I need to rewire their thinking. I need to undo all of the training they had in their own home. I need to undo the training they had in their own temples. I need to undo the thinking that they had in their own community of faith and rewire it all according to a new regime. So here's what he did. He thought, if I'm going to be successful with this, I need to change their language. Isn't that interesting? Don't be that Christian that just retweets dribble <laughs> without thinking. Think about what you're hearing. What does it actually mean? What is the redefinition attempt going on behind the rewiring of the language? Because that's what's going on in our world today. What else did he do? Anyone know? He gave them new literature. <laughs> Isn't it wicked? Isn't it wicked? But it's funny at the same time because you can see this is what's going on in our world today. The reinvention of language... I'm going to have to do some jokes in a minute because you're all looking pretty heavy. I've brought a heavy spirit into the room. Talk about who wants, let's think about Hungry Hippo again. Yeah. <laughs> Hungry Hippo and Pac-Man. Why? All so that they would serve the king. Not the real one, the pretend one. Rewire the language. Do you need to take a photo of that? Nicole, I saw you doing photos. I will wait for you, Nicole. Where do you want it there? Is that good? How about that? Good? Handpick? Good? Lovely. Who thinks I write like a doctor doing prescriptions you can read it good okay defilement was the key in order for king neb to succeed defilement was the key someone say defilement was the key i want you to try and capture this if you can and again what we're doing is we are deliberately bouncing from the book and the time of daniel to right now that's deliberately what we're doing defilement was the key why defilement is what opens the door to deception, which leads to slavery. Defilement is what opens the door to deception, 
which leads to slavery. Why does it matter? This is what the hungry hordes of evil rulers are after with as many people as possible. Manipulate the masses. Why? Control. (laughs) Some of you go, oh, Pastor Andrew, you're in the conspiracy theory. So, all right, okay. I'll see you in 20. I'll see you in 20. Come back in, well, if I'm here, I'll, I'll, I'll be 68 and 20. Let's not talk about 20. All right. False masters. Have a look at it. Defilement, deception, slavery, manipulation, control. Can I bounce for a moment to what Daniel did? Would that be all right? Let's have a look at this. What did Daniel do? How did he survive this? Because we know his story. We know his outcome. He did three things, three obvious things. Number one, he refused to compromise. Say to yourself in your head right now, I choose to refuse to compromise. I'm not going to do it. Now, I want to talk to our young people for a moment. You guys are in your high school years or just beyond. You're in youth ministry and life is amazing. Our church wants you to know and to see that it's possible to hold on to your faith for the long run. Because I used to be in the youth group in this church. And now I'm 112. So if I can be a Christian for this long, so can you. It's possible. Come on, adults. Come on, those who are not in that era anymore. It's possible to hold on to your faith. Just because when you turn 18 means you're legally allowed to be an idiot doesn't mean you have to be. Isn't that right? You're allowed to choose not to be an idiot. You're allowed to say, I choose not to destroy my life. What do you think of that? Just because you become legally of age to be a moron doesn't mean you have to be. There's no requirement to legally be a burden on the rest of us. You're allowed to continue being a contributor. Amen? I'm being a tiny bit facetious to get the point across. You can hold on to your faith for the long run. And we, somebody say we. We. Say it French. Yeah, you're a bit slow. Come on, come on, work with me here, people. We, the kingdom, the church, we need the young people and the children to hold on to their faith. This thing is a relay. It's a baton pass. I'm not the youth pastor anymore. They couldn't handle me. (laughs) No, they probably could. They just couldn't handle my gray hair and my beard. It'd be too upsetting to everyone, including me. I was the youth pastor here, but I was a youth member before that, and I was part of the kids' ministry in this church at one point too. I used to get kicked out of kids' ministry. So all those of you who are teachers and youth ministers and all the rest of it, don't despise the rebels because one day they could be your pastor. <laughs> don't despise the ones who want to ask, why did you say it like that? Don't respond with, because I just did. Help them understand. Be a good teacher. Lazy teachers only ever give a what. Good teachers go what, why, how every time. Oh, that's just sidetracked, isn't it? All right, but... Let's make sure we set an example. Daniel refused to compromise. Number two, he built a foundation of prayer and dependence on God. We need that as well. And number three, I love this one. He took responsibility for setting an example to others. Our world has got, you know, probably one of the biggest words of the last two or three years is pandemic. There were more pandemics than that one before that one turned up and there's been more since and we've still got some. The pandemic of individualistic thinking. People think they can self-define. I reckon everyone who believes in the notion of self-defining should turn in their mirrors. Turn them in. You don't need them because you can define yourself just by looking at yourself. There's no way of defining who you are without reflection. Definition without reflection is impossible. You need the reflection of another thing. You need another person, another word. So you can't self define, we need to realize how we live affects others. And we need young people and children who have got a strong enough spine to take a little weight on their shoulders and go, yeah, I'll be a role model. I'll be an example. I'm praying for the day to come back where youth leaders don't quit and retire and resign from youth leadership just because they're in second year of university. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. I was a youth pastor here till I was 30 flipping three. What does that mean? If God's got you in the spot, stay there. Oh, yeah, but I could be doing so many things with my Friday night. Yeah, you could. That's the value of it. That you're saying, I could be, but I want to be there to inspire the next generation because somebody turned up on a Friday night for me and inspired me. I'm with Dan with what he said last week. I loved watching all the parents and the grown-ups. The grown-ups. 
I never use that phrase, grown-ups, unless I'm watching Adam Sandler. All of the adults who turned up the other night with the parking and all the rest of it for our big youth event here, it's great because we're cheering on each other's faith. Amen? So young people, don't be afraid of the weight of responsibility. All right, we've got to move fast. Are you doing all right? Can we keep going? You sure? All right. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. By the way, that English word money there is actually the word mammon. And it's a collective term meaning spirit and lust of the world. You can't serve that and the living God at the same time. And that's what this is referring to. Defilement, deception, slavery. How does defilement happen? It happens in a few ways. It happens by what you do. Look at the person next to you and say, what you do? It also happens, unfortunately, like this. What is done to you can also defile you. What do I mean? I'm talking about sin. Unfortunately, other people's sinful choices can bring uncleanness on another person. But thank God, God is a healer and he provides a pathway out of that defilement. Amen. Here's another way that we're not going to spend time on today, that people become defiled when they experience deep trauma. It opens a doorway to the supernatural that is evil, that brings harassment and energizing from dark places into their world. They don't even know how it accessed their life, but it can come in through trauma. That's a whole other teaching on another day. Here's an important one. Someone say generational, generational brokenness. How about we be the generation in the church where we say, doesn't matter what came down my family line, if it wasn't good, it stops with me. Draw that sucker in the sand and say, it stops with me. Well, my dad wasn't this, my mum wasn't this. Well, guess what? Neither are the current mums and dads. We're all broken. They didn't this. And maybe, maybe, maybe your mum or your dad was the worst one you ever met. What are you going to do? You're going to inflict that on your kids just so that you feel better about the pain you went through? That's the worst response in the world. Get full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Fill up on the Word of God and say, God's going to empower me to draw a line in the sand. It stops with me. It changes with me. My family line gets stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. Amen? That's within your reach. So we don't want to live defiled. Because when we are defiled, that's what opens the door to deception. Someone say deception. I'm picking up speed right now, as you can see. I can't write. I'm nervous. Identity change. This is what deception is about. Straight away, when the boys went into captivity, what did King Neb do? Change their names. What does Jesus do when he's sitting around the campfire and the brothers are trying to find out who he really is? He changes their name. Isn't that interesting? Jesus sits down with the disciples one day. You'll find it in Matthew 16. He says, what are the people saying about me? He's taking a survey. Some say you're this, some say you're that. We're not really sure. Why do you have to put us on the spot, Jesus? It's awkward. It's embarrassing. And then finally, we know the moment of revelation goes off like a lightning bolt in the spirit of Simon the Reed. He says, holy moly, you're the prophesied one. <laughs> because literally, till that time, he'd seen an incredible teacher, preacher, healer, evangelist, miracle worker, which that alone was melting his brain. And then the Holy Spirit peeled back the eyes of his understanding and his microphone came off as he was talking to Jesus, peeled back the eyes of his understanding, and then he saw Jesus properly for the first time. And he probably fainted. He's like, flip! Or other words, when you go home, Google... Aramaic swear words. No, don't do that. He said, what? he was like blown away. You're not just those other things, which was impressive enough. You're the son of God. What happens? Jesus says, I'm changing your name. This is the time to do it. Jesus said, I always had a plan to change your name, Simon. This is the moment. You're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. You're rock. And it's got two meanings. You're the rock I'm going to build my future church on. Secondly, it's going to be a picture that I'll build my church on the rock of revelation. Church can't grow unless our eyes are opened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Identity change. Jesus wants to change our name, but so does the devil. He wants to call us loser. (laughs) Don't tell my son that I said this because you get embarrassed. But he told me that the kids have got this thing. Not him because he's too kind. He's a perfect boy. (laughs) He may actually be like the second. No, I won't do that. (laughs) But apparently some of the kids, their latest thing they do to each other is they go like this. They go... 
whatever major loser. All right, now that's what the devil, <laughs> that's what the devil wants to try to do to us. Call us a loser, call us broken, call us orphaned, call us lonely. He's got all kinds of labels for us, but so does Jesus. Jesus calls us overcomer. He calls us victorious. And we need to get our identity from the right place. Amen. Oh, I got to go fast. How we respond and the choices we make can push us deeper into slavery. The door that got opened through defilement, which allowed deception to enter our life, can turn into slavery. Someone say slavery. I'm talking about slavery of the soul. I'm talking about the entanglement of sin that keeps us in bondage, keeps us locked up when Jesus came to set us free. Anyone ever experienced those things on the screen? <laughs> Put your hand up if you've ever felt that. Who needs me to go back a screen for the sake of photos? Anyone, anyone need me to go back? My darling wife needs me to go back. For you, I'll do it. The rest of you, write faster. How we... <laughs> How we respond. I've got to do silly jokes, otherwise you lose your concentration. We're dealing with short form video these days. I've got about seven and a half seconds and then I'm cooked. All right, so that's why I'm writing on this. You go, ooh, he's got a pink texter. Um, try and keep your attention. Mel's still going. You good, Mel? All right, she's good now. I've embarrassed her. All right, where were we? Anyone ever felt those? Anyone been feeling those this week? Pressure, anxiety, loneliness, confusion, brokenness, temptation, all these things, they pile up on us. And we get to the point where we're overwhelmed. We can't hack it for much longer. And so our soul starts to suffer in pain. It's normal. It's a state of being human. But what we do about it is what matters. You can't live a life without pressure. Someone say boo. (laughs) You can't have a life without the feeling of anxiety creeping at your door. It's normal. It's a state of the human condition. We are broken vessels temptation there's all this stuff trying to compound on us and it can get a bit much at times who knows the feeling I'm talking about I know that feeling I've been through states where I got so anxious I'll tell you a story about me I got so anxious one day that I was utterly frozen physically not like Elsa I was utterly frozen I was standing in the main street of Camden with this huge decision you ready for it this was my decision sushi or subway I'm telling the truth. I was in such a state of depletion and exhaustion, pushed almost to the edge. I almost went over the edge mentally, literally. This is only a few years back. You didn't know this because I kept on turning up and preaching. I didn't say that to praise me. I said that so you can understand there's a grace and a strength available in God to finish your assignment. I'm standing in the main street of Camden next to my car going over and over and over again, sushi or subway, sushi or subway. And it became so much I couldn't cope with it. I began to shake I got in the car and drove home and crawled into bed. Couldn't get out of bed. I know anxiety. I know pressure build up. I know that we all go through it. But what we do about it is the issue. When our soul is suffering in pain, when we're going to work and we're coming home and dealing with the kids and then we're dealing with the bills and then we're dealing with the pressure and the flipping neighbor who wants to be on a current affairs throwing dog poo over the side fence. And then we've got to get up the next day and go back to work. And then our boss is telling us off in front of everyone. And then we fell down the stairs at the train station and everybody laughed. And then we got headaches and we got sickness problems. We go round and round and round and round and round this cycle of suffering. Who knows what I'm talking about? All the people who are middle-aged and got bills to pay. This is what it can feel like. It's true. And physically, we keep trying to get up for it. And we feel a bit tired, but our soul is suffering in pain. And we just want some pain relief this is the crucial part of the sermon right here about how we make sure we live free in Babylon when we are searching for pain relief we've got to be careful about the temptation to self-medicate all right now we're at men's camp everybody <laughs> the men who've been at men's camp with me over the years now we're at men's camp we've had fun we burned everything the night before didn't we Fred we even set some of the leaders on fire wasn't that good <laughs> we burned chairs we threw some planks in the fire someone threw a can of deodorant in we threw all kinds of stuff in the five dollar Bunnings chair went in and the smoke changed to all kinds of colors three polar bears died in the north whatever you call it you know and we're burning everything and then the next morning when the brothers haven't slept very well because somebody in tent 12 snored their fat head off (laughs) wasn't me 
might have been. They're all tired. We put a bacon and egg roll in their stomach. And then we talk about the real issues of life. When they're tired and they can't put their defenses up and pretend they haven't got issues. Men, like women, like all humans, our propensity to self-medicate is huge. Because we don't like pain. We don't like suffering in our soul. Who's with me? Who knows what I'm talking about? Seeking medication for our soul. What kind of medication are we talking about? Oh, let's talk medication. Nurofen. <laughs> Panadol. No, let's talk medication. Oh, I'm, I'm on blue now. I didn't even know I was on blue, everybody. Who wants me to go back to pink? I've got all kinds of colours here. Look, can you see my colours up there? No, you can't because I'm hiding them from you. Let's go orange. Excess. What do I mean? Excess anything can be a medication for your soul. There are people, as we know, who medicate with many bottles. The bottles have got all kinds of things in them. But before you get ready to throw your stones at your neighbour, who's trying to drink three bottles of wine just to get to sleep at night, while you're having eight Big Macs every night, maybe keep your stones to yourself. Because just because your medication seems less devilish doesn't mean that you're not suffering in the same pain. Self-medication. Some people, as we know, they go into this. Some people go into this. Some people go on to this. And some people do this. Can I get an amen, sisters? <laughs> I've got to keep you laughing or you're going to lose concentration. And then I prepared all this message and you don't even hear it. No good. There's all kinds of... Here's what happens. We go through the pain cycle enough times and at some point we've got to grab the exit door and go, I can't cope. There's nothing wrong with needing a break. There's nothing wrong with wanting rest. But where we go to try and ease our pain can become a huge problem. Take a photo of that. I haven't got time to talk about it. What drives us to self-medicate? Our sinful nature drives us. That's one. Put your hand up if you've got a sinful nature. Oh, Lord, help us. Put your hand up if you've got a sinful nature. We're all born with one. Put your hand up if you think the whole world has a sinful nature or there are just some people who are born good. Sinful nature. Let's all say the word out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Sin. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got to bring the doctrine of sin back into the church. Go, that sounds heavy. No, it sounds heavy because we've gotten too cute with ourselves. We've gotten too cute with ourselves in our Christianity. If there's no sin, there's no salvation. Do you want to be saved? I want to be saved. We've got to confess our sin. To him who confesses their sin, he is willing and able. Can I get an amen? So th this is the kind of church God's calling us to be. If you don't like chunky church, go to one that's more... No, no, that's not my... I Dan and Ali love you all equally and they want you to stay forever. No, but I'm serious. God is calling all Christians to go, this is the word of God. Did you take your photo? Yeah. What drives us to self-medicate? Sinful nature, fatherlessness. By the way, that's a genderless word there, of which there are only two in case you're wondering. Do I need to do that today? Come and ask me that after the service if you want. I don't mind. Ask me whatever questions you want. Do you know what's interesting about our world today? Is that there's a new militant army. Have you met them? Have you seen them? Who have risen up and decided that they own the language. And they're allowed to behave however the hell they like. I know that's strong. But I'm cranky about it. And the moment anyone else, Christian or non dare say anything that's some kind of other view, they are yelled into the corner. Come on, Christian, put some steel in your spine, stand on what is true, believe in something, take a stand. I didn't say start fights, I said take a stand. Internal, take a stand, believe in something. Fatherlessness, a generation who haven't had a voice to tell them who they are. That's the point of that. It's not about was dad at home or was he at the pub. It's not about was I raised by mum only because dad left. It's not about was dad a good man or a bad man. I understand those things exist. That's for another day. I'm talking about the absence of a voice to give identity definition to our young people is one of the biggest voids we've ever seen in the history of civilization. The urge of evil. Demons. Oh, they're not real, are they? Yeah, didn't you watch the Tom Hanks movie, Angels and Demons, all those years ago? Of course they're real. 
How do they work? Well, they're red. You'll, you'll be able to spot them everywhere because they wear lycra. What are you laughing at? I'm helping you with correct demonology right here. You'll be able to resist the devil. You know, the Bible says resist the devil, he will flee from you. It's not that hard. When he turns up, because he will knock on your door, or you ring your doorbell if you've got a doorbell, he's fairly polite. And you'll open the door, he has like a bit of a fork thing. He's got red lycra on, a little bit like me, um, because he's middle-aged, been around for a while. And he'll say like nasty words and stuff. And do like that, do scary things. (laughs) If the demons were that easy to spot, we'd all be doing better at overcoming them. They're not idiots. They've been around for millennia practicing their wicked art of deceiving the people of God. Remember that list I wrote a moment ago? I'll tell you where the demons are. Look at the screen, people. That's where the demons are most active. Whispering and spitting at your ears, saying, just, just what's one more drink going to do? What's one more bet going to do? What's one more flick through the screen going to do? Just buy that extra thing. They are pushing. Think about it. They've been around for thousands of years. They can wait 50 years to trip you up if it takes that long. This is what drives us. Last one, neurochemistry. Let's all act smart for a minute. Let's all act really smart. Here's what happens. Are you watching? Sorry for people listening on the podcast. We go to work. We hate our job, some of us. We hate our life, some of us. We come home, we pay the bills, we have a fight with the wife and the kids so that we can get up and go to work again. We go around that cycle a million times and at some point in the journey we go, I'm sick of this. I need some pain relief. Remember we talked about that moment's crucial. How you try to relieve your pain. You go in to relieve that pain, here's what happens. Put your hand up if you like chocolate. All right, let's all go home. My pen fell on the floor. Who likes chocolate? Uh, Who likes ice cream? Uh, Who likes food? Okay, we're all in now, all right? There's a few things that happen when you put those things in your body. Something happens in your brain. There's a thing that happens in your brain. It's called a dopamine release. Look at the person next to you and say dopamine. Now, some people just started to shudder when I said that. that You come to the front straight away at the end of the preaching. You need prayer first. Dopamine, it's a normal chemical in your body. God designed it. It's It lives in the reward center of your brain so that you as a human will do certain things. When you get hungry, what do you do? You go find food and you eat. Your stomach likes it, your body needs it, but your brain goes fizzy. Oh, that was good. (laughs) Who's like me? Can't resist chocolate at about 9.30, quarter to 10 at night. I'm going to confess my sin. Who thinks I should confess all of my sin in front of everyone? I, on more than one occasion, maybe twice, times 100. More than once have I driven in my pyjamas up to the servo to buy a $7 block of chocolate that costs $3.30 at Woolies. Because I, I need, I need chocolate. Who's with me? At 10 at night. Guess who doesn't fall asleep until 2.30 in the morning because there's sugar coursing through my veins until it's not when we do that kind of stuff we get a reward in our brain dopamine dopamine here's the problem when you do anything rewarding in excess not the great australian rock band in space excess you are releasing too much dopamine into your system that your body was not designed to cope with and your neurochemistry is now working against you some of you are thinking i thought i'd come to church not a biology lecture it matters i'm trying to make you smarter so you can beat the devil's plans when that dopamine release gets too hot and too regular watch me now there is a bond of addiction that begins to form with the moment. So you post your TikToks all you like, but if you're pulling down, refreshing that screen, waiting for that one more like, and you get that one more like, and it gives you a fizz in the brain, you've got a problem. You've got an addictive relationship with the tickety-tockety. Do you like how hard it was for me to get down and pick up my pencil then? (laughs) Yoga classes after church. All right. Neurochemistry. It matters. Now, we're talking about social media, which is mild. You go get into that 48 beers, and that makes you have pain relief from your daily problems, and you can escape from the realities of your pressures... Sure, the pain relief feels good, but now 
you have got a bond of addiction that when you get into, look at this, if you remain in the cycle of suffering long enough, and if you try to survive by self-medicating, a cycle of addiction will be formed. Where do the demons live? Trying to push you back into the behavior. One more time. One more, one more. Come on. You've had a hard week. You've had a tough week. One more. Nothing wrong with resting. You should. When your rest becomes pain relief in areas that are not good for you, now you're building a bond in your neurochemistry and your emotional center that's hard to break. And before you know it, you're a captive in Babylon. When addiction takes hold, you exist in a master-slave relationship. We've got one more slide here that we're going to finish on, and then that is enough. Who thinks that's enough? Someone say enough. This is the great author, whose name is Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Can you see that all right? I can make it bigger. Look at that. Who thinks I'm more impressed with myself and my screen than I should be? I, I do. Everything. Someone say everything. Everything. Is permissible. We lose some Christians in the room at this point. I'm going to try not to lose you, but some of you may get lost here. What's Paul saying? Paul is basically saying to us, I can do whatever I want. Now, those of you who love to police everybody else's rules when you're playing Monopoly... You just had a hard time with what I said. Where are all the rule keepers when you play board games? Where are all the people who want to dish out fines when people break the rules in you know? That's not how they flip out the rule sheet and you think, thanks, Killjoy. Let's go do something else now instead. Some of you, when I said this, you're like, no, you can't do whatever you want. I know technically and legally and biblically, none of us can do whatever we want. What Paul is saying here is he's saying... Before God gave the gift of salvation, God gave the world the gift of choice. You can choose to be an idiot if you want to. Everything is permissible. I've got to use this at least once because my kids loved this. Watch, watch this. Oh, disappears by itself. Everything is permissible for me. Look at this. Not everything. Someone saying not everything is beneficial. He repeats it because he's not sure the readers and the listeners are going to get it first time around. He says, I'll say it again. Everything's permissible for me, but there's that but again. Somebody say but. But I will not be mastered by anything. If you want to live free in Babylon, you can't have two masters. You've got to have one master. His name is Jesus. And you've got to be courageous enough and wise enough to take inventory of your life and find out, have I been in that cycle of pain suffering? Do I tap out when it gets too much and then go to things where my sinful desires, my fatherlessness, my generational brokenness and even my neurochemistry is locking me in a jail cell? I know it's heavy stuff, but we've got to take time to explore it because we need a circuit breaker and his name is Jesus. We need a circuit breaker and his name is Jesus. Matt, if I could have you, please. If we, well, it's not even if, as we live in Babylon, if you haven't figured it out, the world right now is Babylon. A lawless counterfeit counterfeit come on people wise as serpents Jesus wants you to be a brainiac with his help counterfeit of God's kingdom we have politicians in our country not crazy America for people listening on the podcast I did the funky little quotation marks with my fingers before someone writes me a letter not in some far here in our backyard we have our own elected representatives telling us and the world that the Christian message is becoming the most hateful and least loving of all. <laughs> and society's standing back going, oh, oh yeah, good point, Dan Andrews. I mean, respect to his position, but on spiritual biblical matters, 
got the IQ of a smashed avocado on spiritual biblical matters. I didn't say on politics, don't misread me and don't misquote me because I'll come and confront you if you misquote me. I'm not in, I will, I'm not insecure enough to confront someone if they misquote me. I said on theology. He's trying to talk to the country on theology. He's an intellectual amoeba when it comes to theology. But the country is listening to people like that. This should bother us. We're in Babylon. Whilst living in Babylon, let's get a spirit of Daniel about us. Let's purpose in our hearts. I'm not going to bow to those idols. I'm not going to be entangled by the delicacies of this king of this era that just wants to defile me. Come on, think about the most obvious expression of defilement that you could possibly hear of. As far as I'm concerned, sexual interference with a child would be the most despicable and wicked expression of defilement. Do you know that in our world right now, and this stat, by the way, is nearly seven years old right now, so I expect it's a lot higher. Nearly 25% of boys, nearly 33% of girls, will experience sexual interference before the age of 12. That stat's probably higher. Think about the quantity of defilement. And we're sitting back wondering, how can people take on board that message about self? They're deceived. (laughs) We need the circuit breaker, the great circuit breaker, Jesus Christ, to redefine identity, to bring back truth to people's world. Because the defilement that opens the door to deception quickly becomes slavery. And we have to be the Daniels. The Azariahs, the Hananiahs, living in Babylon, who say, no, I won't allow myself to become defiled by what this world is trying to draw me into. Because if we're all in the quicksand together, who's going to stretch a hand to those who need to be rescued? In my life right now, I might not be a local church pastor, but I need you to know I'm still on mission to have a voice. And I'm asking God to give me a voice to not just a few hundred. I want a voice to thousands, not for my sake. I want a voice to tens of thousands, not for Andrew's sake. I want a voice to millions because I want the power of truth to cut through. I want to help be a part of inspiring a generation of people who will stand up on the inside so that they can stand up on the outside and have a message to speak to our young people, especially our young girls, and say, taking your clothes off on the screen is not how you get attention. Some of you go, oh, gee, you're stirred up today, Andrew. Well, so I flippin' should be. (laughs) I smile. (laughs) Smile, I love you all. Of course I'm stirred up. I've got an almost 17-year-old girl at home. I've got a nine-year-old boy at home. Their mum and their dad won't be around forever. I'd like to be here for another 20 years or so or more if I could, but I don't know. I could be gone next week. I don't think I'll be gone next week, Liv. (laughs) I could be gone next week. And if I am, I want them to have a steel injection in their spine. To believe in the Saviour, Jesus, not for the sake of starting arguments and fights with people, but if necessary, willing to stand their ground and go, nah, 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 toot your trumpet, wave your flag all you want, I'm not getting on my knees and worshipping that thing. I've got one focus on my worship. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save a soul. He's the circuit breaker. He is the key to salvation and healing and deliverance. And I cannot turn to another. So if you need to do to me what you need to do to me to appease your own agenda, you do what you're going to do because I'm going to do that thing I do. I'm going to follow Jesus. We have to be stirred about this for our friends. This is not just young people and children. This is our parents and our grandparents to stand up and say, like Daniel... I purpose in my heart. Because here's what I believe. And I'm going to finish on this thought before we stand and pray. I know I've gone fairly long. I hope Dan's not upset with me. If he is, he has the power and the discretion to kick me off the roster, which I'll respect. I can't deliver this message to you in a cute little package that you can tweet in 160 characters or how many Elon lets you have these days. Because there's something lifting over the horizon of the world right now and it's time for the church to get in the game in more ways more often because this is our calling feeling purposeless you can get involved in this this is our mission 
to get a spirit of Daniel on the inside say, I refuse. I've purposed in my heart the world is not going to defile and deceive and destroy me and mine. And I am certain. I'm happy for time to prove me wrong. But as of today, I'm certain we're getting shoved to a corner where God is going to call his church out in glorious power. Where it will be commonplace, where we see the saving of souls, the healing of bodies, the transformation of minds gone haywire, the restoration of relationships, the supernatural and the miracles happening as a matter of course because our world, in case you haven't noticed, is stuffed up. Deluxe. Can we stand on our feet? Let's pray. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.